0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Daniel chapter number seven, uh, tonight starting with verse number nine. The Bible says these words, I beheld till the thrones were cast down and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set. And the books were open i beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake which is speaking of that little horn uh, the antichrist i beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame as concerning the rest of the beasts they had their dominion taken away yet their lives were prolonged for a season and time amen this evening i'm Uh, I could have called this fragments of chapter number 7 really but I'll just call it an everlasting kingdom for our purposes here tonight an everlasting kingdom let's go collectively together if you will to prayer to the Lord he would help us once again so we center our lives around his word Father I come to you again tonight I'm asking oh Lord you'd help my mind give me understanding Lord direct me and instruct me I pray, O oh Lord Jesus, today and your people, help us again to be able to, Lord, digest, to learn something, Lord, of your word. God, let there be some application, I pray, God, for us this evening. God, you were able to enlighten us, God. Let the anointing of the Lord, God, I pray, Lord, fall upon us. God, both speaker and listener alike tonight, God, and we'll thank you and we'll praise you, God, for what you're capable of accomplishing in this place. In Jesus' name that I pray, amen and amen. And the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to try here uh, this evening, if I may, because uh, I know last week I kind of got man running the race right there at the end and was just kind of hitting to just a few things real quickly and moving on. And so pardon me if I, I am just a tidbit redundant uh, from last week because I don't want you to have uh, missed what I said in the process of saying it, all right, uh, from last week. But however, of this evening, I would like to draw our attention just one more time uh, to this concept and idea of, of the beast of the beasts that were represented in Daniel chapter number seven and seemingly the parallel passage that's in John uh, or in, that John revealed to us through the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter number thirteen, namely verses one through five. And just to look at the two and the beasts in particular that I'm speaking of uh, is whenever Daniel spoke of all these in Daniel chapter number 7 that they come up out of the sea. And if you go to Revelation chapter number 13, also he sees a beast that arises out of the sea for a point of comparison. And the fourth beast it was that came up out of the sea in Daniel chapter number 7. If you remember, it was kind of a nondescript in that it could not be related to any known animal that you and I know today or that we could go to the zoo and particularly see and it is this, this beast then that John sees in the book of Revelation chapter number 13. Uh, it is also uh, to a certain degree nondescript because uh, it's not every day you see an animal that has the body of a leopard, the feet of a bear, and the mouth of a lion. Uh, that has uh, ten horns and, and seven heads, uh, so on and so forth. So again, it, it would go to say that it's a little nondescript as being able to relate to anything that we know of present day. Uh, that that four piece in Daniel 7, uh, it had ten horns. Uh, the beast, as I've already mentioned in Revelation 13, had ten horns. And if we remember in Daniel chapter number 7, and I'm sorry, I don't have no cool picture. I don't have that little cool horn picture for you tonight. My wife said, my son's going to be disappointed. He liked that. Uh, he can like it only by purpose of visual representation. I do not want him to like the Antichrist. Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, whenever we look at this, Daniel, if you remember, he's witnessing the formation uh, of this, this little horn, this little horn that arises and uproots three of the o- other horns and rises to the top and kind of like an afterthought from last Wednesday, I, I, I was considering something because uh, we didn't go into, and nor am I in real depth here tonight going into, you know, who are the three uh, other horns that the little horn is going to uproot. But in, in, as an afterthought to last Wednesday, I began considering again, uh, Brother Mason, just the venue of the European Union. And those 10 regions, if you remember that it was divided into, and uh, interestingly to me, three of the particular uh, 10 uh, Western Europe, Eastern Europe, Central Asia, and the Mediterranean, the Middle East seem to be a a, a special three if you ask me because the Western Europe region and the Eastern Europe region along with Central Asia is kind of all that revived part of the Roman Empire and then, of course, the Mediterranean Middle East is the hot spot of uh, our day and the hot spot where everything's going to take place anyway Uh, including Israel and Iran and Iraq and Kuwait and all those areas around there. So I'm not saying that that is the three that gets uprooted but I'm just saying uh, it's just interesting to consider uh, the idea of that. But Daniel, Daniel sees those three uh, that are uprooted, that little horn taking the three. And, and so Daniel is seeing the formation of this. It's seeing the formation of this little horn arise. But John, in the book of Revelation, chapter number 13, whenever he sees this beast goes, come forward, he's not seeing the formation of it, but he's seeing it in its final stages. He's seeing it in its final stages. And therefore, he, he does not witness, John does not, the raising of the little horn. Uh, John is seeing this thing that is already in power. And I believe I may mention this before, but again, I know sometimes I can get rambling. Amen. But for us not to miss it, what was Daniel's little horn in Daniel chapter number 7, that is John's beast of Revelation chapter number 13. Amen. Number uh, five, my fifth point concerning the, the, the parallel between these, both of these are at war with the saints for, as we've seen last week, was a time and times and dividing of time which we come to understand is three and a half years, or if you will, as far as in the book of Revelation, chapter number 13 and verse uh, number 5, 42 months, which could also equate to uh, 1,260 days. And again, I'll go over this little segment here. So last week I was just kind of making some blind references and hoping I was hitting it. But the Jews, again, did not use a a, a solar calendar as we do today. They used a lunar calendar. And as indicated... In Psalms 104 and verse number 19, he said, He appointed the moon for seasons and the sun knoweth his going down. And the length of a a lunar month we can uh, kind of derive from the book of Genesis and determine from there to share a few verses I did last week. Again, redundant with purpose. Uh, With any of this, folks, I know we will not hurt from redundancy uh, from hearing it one more time uh, because I'm sure some of you have forgotten the very first lesson already. (laughs) <laughs> it's been quite a few weeks ago. But nevertheless, in Genesis 7 and verse 11, speaking of that time of the flood, it says in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month of the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were open. It's later than we see in Genesis 8, I should really put that one first, but in Genesis 8 and verse number 4, the Bible speaks of the ark resting in the seventh month. So we're looking from the second month to the seventh month, and both of them indicate the 17th day, which would equal about directly five months of time. And it speaks to us in the interim in between that the waters have prevailed upon the earth for 150 days. And so if that is the case in there again, five months and there's that 150-day factor, we are leaning on a lunar, uh, if you will, calendar, being 30 days in a month, Uh, All the math wizards out there, 30 times 5 is 150, and thus you have your 150 days that is represented uh, right there. And so exactly 5 months, 150 days, again, a lunar month. But if we go on tonight and look here this evening, and I brought up the idea last week, Uh, concerning the idea of saints because we've seen in Daniel chapter number 7 on about five occasions or six occasions that he refers to the saints. The saints are mentioned. As a matter of fact, three of the times in which he is mentioning the saints or the saints of the Most High, he is speaking about the saints possessing dominion, that they will receive dominion. Uh, over the land and over the kingdom along with uh, the Lord Jesus Christ that they will receive dominion Uh, the other two times that this saints term is used it's speaking of that the saints are either being warred against uh, by the antichrist the little horn or they're being worn out by the little horn and so our question this evening is this who are the saints uh, that this is all speaking of Are, are those Jews are they Gentiles are they both uh, are are those people the people of the church who and what are the saints well you see that whenever you see the word saints and you see it used in the bible oftentimes in new testament scripture whenever you think of saints you think about you think about the church whenever the term saints is used but that is not necessarily saints is just not an exclusive term just for speaking about those who are part of the New Testament church Uh, in general the word saints means holy one holy ones or holy people and the idea is this and I, I may mention but long before the church was ever born per se uh, long before that day of Pentecost, uh, uh, when the church, what we'd say, was the birthplace of the church, long before any of that happened, this term saints was used before any of this was ever upon the timeline of, uh, of God. Uh, he referred to the Israelites of old in the Old Testament who placed their faith in God. He referred to them as saints. And we see that in Psalms 16.3, in Psalms 34 and 9, that that word saints is used for them. But with this being said tonight, I'd like not just, uh, not just me speak up here, but try to share some thoughts of a couple of individuals, amen, uh, in my reading and study. One of them is, is, is uh, Bishop Walls. Once again, you'll see me lean on him along the way, Amen. a great, great, great man of God here of our own apostolic faith. And I don't know if you'll be able to see this. I made it kind of small because I didn't want to have to split it up in a gazillion slides, uh, but you can read it. And, and Brother Wall says this. He says, while we are aware that the church is referred to as saints in the New Testament, and we also have reference to saints in the book of Revelation regarding those who suffered during the tribulation, he said, but it would not appear that the references here in Daniel would refer to the church. He says, Daniel is not writing about or to the church. Daniel knows nothing about the church. The message in the book of Daniel does not address the issues nor matters which pertain to the church, but rather to his people, Israel. And you've heard me state before we've got to watch very carefully through the book of Daniel when it's speaking to the Jews or to the Gentiles, because there is a going back and forth. And he says, so it's not to the church, but to the people, Israel. And the term saints would not even apply to all. Of the people of Israel. He said, There are many among Israel to which the term saints does not apply. We understand that. This would more accurately be addressed to the remnant of Israel who shall stand true during the dark days of tribulation. And what Bishop Walls is saying, there are going to be a group or segment uh, of Israelites that will go through uh, the tribulation, noted as we call them tribulation saints, and it'll be people that will stand true uh, to the Lord through that. Those of the Jewish. A heritage and legacy that will stay true to the lord all through that and uh, during those dark days that will be accounted as what we see in daniel as the saints and after they've come through all that they will be given dominion likewise and they will be the ones who have been worn out and, and the, uh, the enemy or the antichrist will have warred against and someone say amen also dwight pentecost it's got a good name in it that'd be an awesome name to have Pentecost. Uh, nevertheless, he says, they are believing Jews alive when Christ returns, not believers of the church age, since God did not reveal the church's existence in the Old Testament. Now, so that is the concept of this idea of saints that we see in Daniel chapter number seven. Furthermore, chapter number nine, or verse number nine, rather, it said this, and this is a term that we have dealt with in previous studies, whenever we were going through the couple uh, schools of thought. Again, he says, I beheld till the thrones were cast down and the ancient of days did sit whose garment was white as snow and the hair of his head like the pure wool his throne was like the fiery flame and his wheels as the burning fire and we have looked at before that phrase i beheld till the thrones were cast down now literally, if we can literally look at that, that phrase, thrones were cast down, is not meaning that the thrones were destroyed. Uh, if you look at this and you study even the language, it is an expression referring to not thrones being cast down as we would think. The literal language is that they are thrones cast down is interpreted as set up or placed in order. It's different than the way you and I think. Because orientals of that degree and division, some of them set by just throwing cushions down on the floor, and that was their place of rule. And so casting down thrones would be then actually a setting up or a placing in order for a person to repose and set for the purpose of rule. So it is literally a setting up or a placing in order, if you will. Uh, and another thing is a king, a king doesn't always sit on his throne. All right? King doesn't always sit on his throne, not all the time. But a throne, a lot of times, is a place where a king sits in particular whenever he's judging. A king sits on his throne whenever he is judging. In other words, the thrones, or the seats, if you will, were set and made ready for judgment. And that's exactly what we see happens following this scripture, that there is some judgment that is about ready to take place and go forward. Just for a place of reference, Psalms 122 and verse 5 says, For there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Also, just to extrapolate a phrase from the book of Revelation 20 and verse number 4, John said, he said, I saw thrones and they that sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. But let's take here just a moment of time. The Bible speaks of this ancient of days. Matter of fact, the only place that the ancient of days is ever mentioned is in the book of Daniel, and particularly it's only mentioned in the book and in the chapter of chapter number 7. That's the only place you ever see the ancient of days. Anybody just want to get a stab at who maybe the ancient of days could be? God, Pat says, just with no reservation. God, ancient of days, ancient days. The description of him in that verse that we had there on the screen in Daniel 7 and 9 is this, speaking of the ancient of days. It spoke that his garment was white as snow and that the hair of his head like the pure wool. It spoke that his throne, the throne was like fiery flame and that his wills as burning fire. So we have a description here for the Ancient of Days. And what's interesting is the description for the Ancient of Days is very similar in some ways to the description that was given to John the Revelator of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now remember, whenever we read the book of Revelation, it says early on that this is a revelation of Jesus Christ. And so if you will, if we'll read that description... In thinking of, looking back at the Daniel 7 description of the Ancient of Days, it says, And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man. He's speaking about, you can read in the context, Jesus Christ. Clothed with a garment down to the foot, and gird about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet likened to fine brass. Here is the ancient of days. It's speaking of his, his uh, uh, wills, or if you will, his burning fire, and his throne as a fiery flame. So it's speaking here that, that, that his... I missed it now that his feet were like in the fine brass verse 15 as if they burned in a furnace and his voice as the sound of many waters so if we were to look at the description then for the son of man uh, Jesus Christ it says he's clothed with a garment down to the foot uh, he's girt with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs are white like wool. That's very similar to the description of the Ancient of Days, uh, speaking that his, the hair of his head is like the pure wool. Uh, it speaks that his eyes are a flame of fire. His feet are like fine brass, as if they burned in the furnace. And his voice was as the sound of many waters. So the Ancient of Days has the description again. Hair like pure wool. Jesus has the description of hair white like wool. Now... What is described of the Ancient of Days and what is described of the Son of Man, or if you will, Jesus Christ, and just say this for any clarification tonight, these are not the descriptions as some would pose of two divine persons or personages. But they are one and the same person. The Ancient of Days is the Son of Man. The Ancient of Days is that same Jesus Christ. That's the reason why you can see them both described as them having hair like wool, or even white as wool. Amen. Uh, even if it was the ancient today something that we would call God. You have heard me say time and time again. Uh, you talk about God's left hand, right hand. All of that's figurative because God is a spirit. Amen, but the only body God ever had was Jesus Christ. And all that God you ever will see is through the face and all the attributes of Jesus Christ. So it doesn't doesn't puzzle me that both of these are described as hair like as wool or even white as wool. And on that note, Bishop has said for years and have taught any time he's taught along the eyes of hair, everybody all has the artistic renditions of Jesus Christ with long flowing hair. But if that is the case for the son of man of the ancient of days anybody that's went out and seen some lamb lately that its hair's dragging the ground uh, I don't think you're going to probably see that wool by and large is tightly knit uh, upon the body of the animal and so that that is taking place here also Jesus speaking of his garments or the ancient days his garments being white if you'll remember whenever Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry in Matthew 17 he took his innermost disciples Peter James and John up on a mount uh, we know it today as the mount of transfiguration and Jesus Christ was transfigured before their eyes Peter was really pumped up about all this kind of got outside of himself but the Bible says whenever that transfiguration happened before them that his raiment was white as the light and that is Jesus Christ all right so we'll say amen Amen. in the first chapter of the prophetic book if we were considered the book of Ezekiel and Ezekiel is a very prophetic book as well but in the first chapter of that book in Ezekiel we oftentimes see this imagery or this thing spoken of as the wheels are mentioned again you don't see that term used a lot uh, concerning the throne of God, but the wheels are mentioned again in Ezekiel chapter number 1. And this is just, just, this is just uh, a possibility, a maybe, folks. But the wheels may imply that the throne and God himself, for that matter, can go in any direction and he can do anything that he pleases. And uh, that would render to the omnipresence, if you will, of God. Uh, not like someone once said. He was studying this and said they said that those uh, these wheels were as burning and fire and they said that meant that God had hot wheels. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's the, quite quite the rendition that we're looking for here. Amen. Uh, Nevertheless, but going on here this evening, speaking about, he goes on, he speaks about judgment that is taking place in verse number 10. He speaks about the books were open and that the judgment were set. And again, I want to lean upon Bishop Walls here with what Bishop Walls has to say. He says, What we have described to us here by Daniel is a judgment scene, evidently. He said, But it is neither the judgment of the church of which Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.10, nor is it the great white throne judgment spoken of by John in Revelation 20. He says this is evidently the judgment of Christ upon the kingdom of the beast and nations of the world prior to the millennium and establishment of his kingdom of peace upon this earth. So he's denoting here that the judgment it's speaking of right here is not necessarily whenever the church will be judged or the great white throne judgment, but this is a judgment that's coming against that last latter day beast in those nations and those kingdoms. Daniel chapter number 7 and verse 12, as concerning the rest of the beast, We have looked at this as well. As concerning the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. Now, let's go back about, oh, two or three lessons. I know, it's going to be hard. But if we go back to the first lesson and the second lesson, speaking about the two schools of thought. If you will remember, the first school of thought was the idea that the first three beasts that came out of the sea in Daniel 7 were modern day nations. Remember that? We, we looked at uh, Great Britain, the United States, Russia, Germany, and France. That first school of thought. Those three modern day nations. And the reasoning is if the dominion of these beasts concerning the rest of beasts if their dominion is taken away the thought process was then they must be modern day nations or empires or kingdoms in order for their dominion to be taken away they must be in existence and if their lives are going to be prolonged dominion taken away but their lives be prolonged for a season and time then the thought process with those people is that they must be a modern kingdom That is during this time. It must be an ever-present kingdom. And it's people of, of that first school of thought, persuasion, that tend to believe that their lives were prolonged. It refers to people who perhaps have survived the battle of Armageddon and that they will be ushered into the millennium. That is their thought process. However, whenever we considered the second school of thought, which is the three beasts being the old empires, going back even to Daniel 2 of Babylonia and the Medo-Persia and the Greece, that the Bible says we see their dominion being taken away when the beast is slain. And so we understand this because every kingdom of the old that rose and then fell, there was always fragments and parts of itself that it left in the succeeding kingdom. There's a little bit of Babylon in the Medo-Persia. Whenever it came to Greece, there was a little Babylon in Medo-Persia that was fragments of that, ideals and things still yet in Greece. And so whenever the, the rock hits the time of the part iron and part clay of the feet, it doesn't just take care of the feet, but it took care of the brass, the silver, the iron, Uh, 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 all those that are together because there's fragments a part of them all the final beast is nothing but a composite of the kingdoms leading up to it if I may read to you from Daniel 2 again I know we've been there but let's go there one more time thou sawest till that stone was cut without hands which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and break them to pieces. Is that time of the feet is that time of the ten horns, if you will. It's that time of those last kingdoms. He says that smoke the image upon His feet that were of iron and clay and break them to pieces. Then was the iron, look now, the clay, the brass, those are kingdoms above it. The silver, that's above it. That, that's Medo-Persia. The gold, that's Babylon, broken to pieces together and became like the chap of the summer threshing floor that whenever that revived Roman Empire is taken care of then all the fragmentations of the previous empires that have been injected into that one are taken care of just as well you remember that the feet and clay we got the we got the beast four beast over here all of these other empires above there Babylon Medo-Persia all of them have influence on the empire that comes after them they all have a little bit of flavor on the empire that comes after them, amen, they're represented in some way, in some way, Uh, although it may have been hundreds of years since they reigned, since Nebuchadnezzar had control and Belshazzar had control, we can still see elements of Babylon today, and we still see uh, elements of Medo-Persia today and of Greece today, for instance, if we were to consider tonight, the revived Roman Empire amen, that seems to be congregating together in some form or fashion today. We're looking for that 10, you know, whether it be the United Nations, European Union, or something else to come up on the scene. But that gathering together, you will probably know within them there will still be the renewal of the religious heirs that Babylon had from the years and years ago. And you'll probably see some of the military footsteps of the Medo Persians and the cruelty that they had. And you'll probably see some of the education. Greece was known for that. You know, it was the the, the Greeks and, and 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 those in the New Testament scripture that were scholars and philosophers. You'll probably see some of those educational or or. or uh, whatever else you could call that, but educational errors within the last, last empire that will take place. Not only that, but consider, in Daniel 7 and verse number 12, we're considering the second school of thought, but they were all the old, old empires until uh, the fourth, that revived Roman Empire. As concerning the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away. No, yet their lives were, by I say were, were prolonged for a season and time. Were prolonged. They have a lot of problem with the idea of it being odium pars, because if, these, if the dominion was taken away and they were destroyed when the beast comes, then how is there going to be any prolonging? But I, I rest solidly upon the word were prolonged. Were, all the English gurus out there, is the past form of the verb to be. In other words, this is not something futuristic from this moment in time. But it's something that has already happened. They were prolonged. Their lives have already been prolonged. How? By the fragmentation of them existing in the kingdoms that followed after them. Amen. That was their time. That was their season up until now, until the slaughtering of that last day beast. Now, when all of this happens, there is going to be an everlasting kingdom. We know that. We have studied that now in Daniel 7 and and Daniel 2. There is going to be an everlasting kingdom that will set up and will have everlasting dominion. It will be different than anything else that has ever happened before. There has been no kingdom that has perpetually lasted, that's had everlasting complete control and complete dominion. And it will not be destroyed, the Scripture tells us in Daniel chapter number 7. And we know that to be the kingdom of our God. Everlasting control, everlasting dominion, it will not be destroyed. Christ will come. He will have his righteous rule, his righteous reign. He's not going to give his dominion or his glory to another. Amen. Even as early as Genesis, even as early as the book of Genesis, this is alluded to. If you will remember Jacob in some of his dying moments, he is, he is putting his hands upon his sons and he's putting blessings upon his boys and speaking blessings into their life and he has judah come before him and he begins to pronounce a blessing upon his son judah and he says in genesis 49 and 10 he says the scepter shall not depart from judah nor a lawgiver from between his feet until shiloh come unto him shall the gathering of the people be he said a, sh- a, s- a scepter shall not depart from judah that 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 scepter was nothing more but a a regal symbol uh, of command Uh, it's going to stay with judah Oftentimes times when a king sat he rests that scepter inclined against himself and the bottom of it rests between his feet he says it's not going to depart from judah when did it get in judah whenever david took the throne david he man being the second king after saul and the, the flaw there David was the first king, amen, that was of the tribe of Judah. Amen? He's of the tribe of Judah. As a matter of fact, in Revelation 22, Jesus then, he states himself, Jesus p- protests or, or claims, if you will, himself. He said, I am the root and the offspring of David. We know him to be the lion of the tribe of Judah. Whenever the angel of the Lord came to Mary to let her know that you're going to be with child and this is what's going to happen. You're going to call that child's name Jesus. He spoke to her in Luke chapter 1 and verse 32. And Gabriel told Mary, he said, He, meaning speaking of Jesus, shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto Him, Jesus, the throne of His father, David, which was of the tribe of Judah which that scepter remained, if you will, did not depart from Judah, amen. The Bible says unto Shiloh come. Now this was interesting to me. It might not be interesting to anybody but me. But whenever I look up the word Shiloh, Shiloh basically means this, he whose it is, that which belongs to him. Now that excites me, that from the beginning of time in Genesis, there's a prophecy that's going forth. Honey, it's not going to happen until it happens that the scepter shall not depart from Judah nor a lawgiver from between his feet until he whose it is come. Amen. Until that which belongs to him come. All these things, we well, don't worry about happening until Christ comes. Amen. Until he takes his throne because that's who it belongs to. Uh, that, that, that is whose it is until he comes and then it will absolutely without a shadow of a doubt happen now just real quickly and i won't hold you much longer and i promise you in second thessalonians chapter number two and verse number seven remember last week we was looking at uh the, the first first second third john and they're speaking about and i know you remember because we spent a lot of time there how the spirit of the antichrist is already at work you remember amen that he's going to be revealed he's going to come but that spirit is already at work this kind of tongues and grooves to a certain degree that of Second Thessalonians 2 and 7. For the Bible says the mystery of iniquity, the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who, I don't have that up there, do you? Yeah, I got it there for you. Only he, I seen that yellow and I thought I still had the last verse. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth, which means that word letteth there means obstruct, hold back or restrain. So only he who now obstructeth will let. Only he who now hold back will hold back. Only he who now restrains will restrain until he be taken out of the way. If you remember again, the Bible is so great in that Man, it has so many pieces that fit together from Genesis to Revelation, from a multitude of different authors survey in a vast number of years and yet it falls together so good as a puzzle and that has to be the handiwork of God but with that being said you'll remember again in Genesis during the time of Noah and the ark and the flood and all that that God even told his people during the days of Noah remember things are going to get back to like it was during the days of Noah and during the days of Sodom, Gomorrah and Lot and all of that and so he said back at the times during the days of Noah he told them in Genesis 6-3 he said my spirit shall not always strive with men. In other words, my spirit is not always going to constantly restrain and strive with man and man's wickedness because the world at that time and men at that time, their hearts were very, very wicked according to the word of God. And his spirit didn't always restrain the wickedness. As a matter of fact, God ended up destroying them all, didn't he? Destroyed him by water that first time, and he flooded the whole earth. And we 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 saw that spirit, Amen, that was warring or restraining the wickedness of men. He said, Finally, fine, we'll just destroy all this with water. Amen. But this is he, the Bible says, this is he who ledeth. Uh He who ledeth. Who is this he who ledeth? The verse prior to this, it's spoken of in a neuter term. It doesn't give it a gender, male or female. It just says uh, it's it's in a neuter type of terminology. But now here, it's kind of a gender. He who leteth. Well, this may very well be, folks, the Spirit of God that dwells inside of His people. That dwells inside of His church. Meaning that the mystery of iniquity or even the son of perdition, that even the Antichrist, that Spirit is already working... And it will though not be able to get to the height and the Antichrist will not be able to show up until he who now restrains quits restraining and he's no longer there. And he's taken out of the way. And there is a spirit of God that is in the church. The Antichrist cannot come into full force until the church. God's spirit that's in his believers, God's spirit that's in his church is taken from this earth. Amen. He has his presence, but we are his residents. Uh-huh. He has his presence, but we are his residents. The he is his spirit. That's though namely in his church. Whenever the church is raptured, where the church is taken out of the way, the floodgates of hell are open. Mm-hmm those days then like it's never been recorded that's been going to be so bad will come whenever the church gets out of the way we are the restrainers the church is the holder backs (laughs) the church are the obstructors to all that taking place but whenever his spirit that church is taken out of the way then the antichrist will come remember whenever Jesus told Peter in that great revelation of knowing who Christ was and he told Peter upon this rock I'll build my Church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it there will be no prevailing of hell's gates as long as there is the church I'm building my rock upon this rock I build my church the gates of hell shall not prevail against it gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church and the only way there can be any prevailing upon the world or the prevailing of the antichrist upon the world is when his spirit that's in his church his church gets raptured out of here raptured out of here and then all these things will start amen to unfold if you'll stand with me tonight, I told you, smile today, might be crying next Wednesday. Read if you will if you got time, Daniel chapter number eight before you come back here next Wednesday, because again we got some we got more beasts that's going to be arising, and they are going to be tying back to Daniel seven going to be tying back to Daniel chapter number two we got a couple we got a we got a ram with two horns. Uh, maybe I can get some cool picture for that. And you know, uh, we got a uh, we, we a <laughs> ram with two horns. We got a he goat and such. But again, they are going to be reiterating. Again, prophecies are very progressive. It builds upon. It builds upon one another. And so we're just Daniel's getting more light, and more revelation about days that are to come. And so I've tried not just to run and just pile it all up and say there it is. I've tried it to be allow it to be progressive for us, just like it was for him. Uh, in in doing so amen let's just bow our heads here this evening thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter with the username facmc again that's facmc thank you and have a blessed day